Donald Trump is not the savior of this country, you know, we are the saviors of this country. everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Little here with my friend and colleague, uh, Alfonso Rachel. And uh, this is the show where we try to talk a little bit about the stuff underneath the politics. And uh, this one's a little more on the political side of the underneath the politics, though. Uh, Donald Trump was on a CNN town hall uh, a few days ago as we record this. And opinions vary, but it looked to me like he kind of ate them alive. Um, and I think the, the thing I'd like to talk about today is it's amazing what happens when you have somebody who's not willing to walk into these prepared kill boxes and just not play by the rules that are laid down by these people who build rules so that you can never succeed. He um, he sounded good, looked good, and, but mostly he didn't – he just plain didn't take the question. He just wouldn't answer the question. As, as one example, do you, do you promise to abide by the results of the 2024 election no matter what they are? And he said, well, if it's an honest election, I'd be on, honored to – abide by the results. But yes, but but will you abide by the results of the election regardless? And he said, if it's an honest election, you, you know what I mean? She She's trying to paint him into this corner, trying to paint him as an election denier and all the rest of it. And he's just plain not going there. And it's been a little rocky for Donald Trump since 2020, uh, rocky for the whole country and for all of us as well. But he seemed like he was in top form there. So I guess really the question I'm asking is, is the ability to fight back against the media the single most important quality for any candidate in 2024? I have an opinion on this myself, but I'd like to get yours. Um, it's important. I don't know if it's the single most important, only because it's, as I've said before, my big contention is, Don, do you know who the enemy is? I don't, I don't really think he does. I mean, he, in, in this, he looked like he was in top form. I mean, but he's been able to rehearse this attack for like, what, years now? <laughs> it's like, when when he was when he got in the office, they hit him with stuff that he wasn't ready for. And like I said, it's like, man, you you helped them do what it is that they did to you. You helped them do it. Now that you've been able to, you know, reflect on it, Monday morning quarterback, 2020, whatever you want to call it, he's had he's had years to like know what they're gonna attack him with now. Okay. Now, when you go, and let's say you get best case scenario, you get elected. And then they come up with some whole new stuff to attack you with. Are you going to be ready for that? Do you know who the enemy is who's attacking you? Have you registered who the enemy is yet? Well, it strikes me that he probably has. I saw uh, one of the high points. I only saw clips of the town hall. But one of the moments I liked the most was um, was where uh, the, the CNN person just kept trying to get him onto the January 6th thing again and again and again. And he said something to the effect of, all right, let me get this out. And he pulls out this timeline and he's got a list of the things that he actually tweeted, time and date stamped and so on. Mm -hmm. And that to me seems to be, I'm not going to say that that's like a night and day difference, but it's nice to know what to ammo up for. Mm -hmm. And I think that he read a, a tweet he put out on the day before the so-called insurrection. And that just seemed to stop the conversation right there. So. I certainly don't think he's going to make the same. Well, let's put it this way. I'll just I'll just simplify this. If if it turns out there's another pandemic, I don't see Donald Trump appointing Dr. Fauci to be in charge of it. 
<laughs> you know what? That would that would be a good that would be a good plan. But that's one of the reasons why I say. I mean, it was, it looked good that he was ready to prepare. Look how long it took to be able to for him to prepare to pull out this sheet of paper. You know, it's like after attack, after attack, I say, maybe, hmm, maybe I need to have this prepared. Now, in in the next thing, it's like, man, you might not get years to prepare for the next thing that they plan for. And, you know, like I said, it's a good idea for you to get down to who these people are. The Constitution talks about who these people are, right? And it's like, that's something that you need to get to know and know about them. And if if you can get that part down, that's that's like half the battle right there. One of the things I, I spoke about, uh, I guess, in the last stretch of your lounge was um, if he if he is reelected and, and certainly this is what I would do if I were uh, president, if I was especially if I was in his shoes um, in terms of knowing who the enemy is, I would start um, investigations immediately. But I wouldn't go for the top first. I go for the bottom first. I would go and I'd get um, I'd get. This guy, you remember Struck, Peter Struck, the guy who swapped those emails back, the FBI agent, that smarmy, greasy-looking, oily son of a gun who- um, It doesn't narrow it down a lot, but- (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really, it's not a hard part to clear. But this was like a guy who who basically sent emails to his girlfriend, who was also in the department, that he's, it's up to the two of them to stop Trump. And and so if it were up to me to clear the swamp out, I would take an approach that may seem a little counterintuitive. I would start at the bottom, and I would get convictions on people in- in the FBI who could be shown to be guilty, Secret Service, whatever. I just I just start getting those bottom people. A lot of times you can get people to um to make a deal with you if you know they'll get less of a sentence if they if they decide to provide evidence for higher up. But that's not even the reason I want to do it. If it were up to me and I go bullying in there and I immediately start with Hillary Clinton, let's say, or or Joe Biden, then it's going to just look like a a, a political um attack and a political retribution, which it is and which it should be because that's what he deserves. But as another example, if I was going after Joe Biden, I wouldn't mention Joe Biden until I had Hunter Biden in jail. Uh-huh. And and so I would make the point of showing to the American people that these little these low level things are corrupt. And then the people who are managing those people are corrupt. And then the people who sent out the managers, guys like James Comey, and and the rest of these guys, they're corrupt too, Eric Holder. And I would just work my way to the top. I kind of like run the film backwards, you know, because these organizations were corrupted from the top down. So if I was if I was Donald Trump and I was determined to really clean the stables this time and not and not um assume that things weren't as bad as as they actually were, I would I would I would start from the bottom and work my way up in an in a sort of inevitable pyramid of showing that the entire organization, the Democratic National Party, the Biden crime family, all of it is corrupt. But I, would, I wouldn't I would go for the top first. And, and, and if I were to bring charges, and I'd bring a lot of charges, I would have this thing so war-gamed. I would, I would try this case four or five times before I ever press charges. I would, I would look for any of these errors that, that you know, like, like Mark Furman and so on with the O.J. Simpson case, I get those bugs out of the way right away. And I'd never do what um, the guy Darden did. I'd never ask a question. It's the simplest rule of, of trial law. You know, it's never ask a question you don't know the answer to. So when so when the O.J. Simpson trial says uh, happens, can you try on this bloody glove and, and professional actor, you know, with, with, with gloves on under the gloves? Oh, gee, it doesn't fit. I would I would rehearse the living daylights out of that and make that sure that stuff didn't happen. But what do you think that he can do so that if, if he 
What would you recommend he do differently if he gets reelected in 2024? Really quick, I want to address, man, I like your strategy, man. You're, you're, you're speaking like a martial artist. In martial arts, man, we call it chopping it down at the base. Oh, okay. uh, you know, a lot of times you know, in martial arts, you know, you want to headhunt, right? You want, you want to get that shot to the head. And your opponent most likely knows that's where you want to hit them too. So they're going to guard their head a lot. And this person is still trying to drill them at the head, you know, when they got their body open. Uh, you know, you got this nice big torso target that you can go after while they're trying to protect their head, you know, preemptively trying to protect it. Uh, but better yet, you could just go ahead and start chopping at the base, um, you know, be able to, uh, you know, take their legs out from underneath them. And that's a that's a you know, I think a lot with, uh, you know, conservatives, we, we sometimes we think ambitiously we need to go after the, the uh, you know, you know, trying to throw stones at the at the top of the ivory tower. It's like, no, man, chop it down at the base, you know, start getting into there. Go, you know, go after those. Uh, start making those those activist judges, you know, that they be a point. Yep. Start start making them scared, you know, start methodically, you know. carefully airtight fashion, one after the other, after the other, so that people who are upstream of the investigation start to sweat. Give them some time to sweat and let them think about whether they want to spend 40 years in prison or whether they want to tell them who gave them the orders to do the Russian collusion file or whatever the case may be. Yes, yes. Go after those guys, you know. And, uh, and in terms of what I would do, um, I think, and this is a message for conservatives in general, and I, I think a lot of them get it. I just don't know if they know, I don't know if it really I don't know if it really registers with them, um, and I don't know if they really know how to go about by doing it. And it says I've said, you know, thousands of times. One, it's a cultural approach. The culture has to has has to be there. Has to be this representation in the culture. If you want your political representation to be stable and to be solid, you have to have cultural representation that upholds that. And conservatives really don't have that. And a lot of times they not only do they not have it, they sabotage any chance of building it because they keep giving Democrats what they need to destroy it every time. One of those things that they, the, actually the main thing, the main thing is the race narrative. The reason why Democrats can get away with all this sort of stuff, it doesn't matter what it is, Bill. It doesn't matter what it is. Unfortunately, out of a knee-jerk reaction or whichever, Conservatives tend to respond exactly how Democrats plan for them to do it. And this, is why they're, this is why they're as successful as they are. Yes. They, they understand the psychology and the rhetoric perfectly. Yes. And, and, and the thing is, it's, it's so, it's, Bill, it's such a cheap strategy. It doesn't really take a genius to understand it. Unfortunately, it, it, but it works. You, it's, you, 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 you hit these emotional triggers. You expect conservatives to respond exactly how you want them to respond. And then from there, it just becomes a feedback loop. And I keep trying to tell conservatives, you don't want to respond that way. It's not going to be an admission of guilt for you. It's not going to be you giving up any ground or anything like that. What you're going to do is, like, since we're talking about martial arts, you are basically going to use their own weapons. You're going to use their own momentum. You're going to use their own strategy against them. It'll work. But, you know, unfortunately, to this day, it's something that's not implemented. Trump doesn't do it. His voters don't do it. And I'm like, well, here we go. It looks like we're going to go through this again. That's like the idea of swordlessness, right? The ultimate victory is where you w walk into an enemy camp without any weapons. You use the enemy sword against them. Mm -hmm. That's just that's just just complete mastery. So if if their sword is this rhetorical, um, you know, offensive, this concept, offensive, offensive of 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 just perpetually attacking and painting and tarring your opponents with with lies that don't ever have to be um, 
uh, covered up because there's no chance to refute them when they own all the media outlets and so on. The thing I saw about that I saw with Donald Trump on on the town hall and that I've seen with him before, obviously, is that he goes on the offensive with these people. And so what give us can you give us an example of two things? First of all, uh, uh, we'll do one at a time. You mentioned we don't have cultural representation. What do you mean by that? Actually, the only cultural representation that we seem to have is the representation that Democrats make up for us. Uh, in terms of the identity of who conservatives are and Republicans, yes. who they yes, what conservatism is, what capitalism is, what the free market is, uh, you know these uh, what what national defense is, you know what the Second Amendment means, these things that we stand by uh, what, mm-hmm. uh, 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 pro life issues and things like that. Democrats are the ones drawing the narrative, and and like I said, the 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 the, the weapon that they use the most effectively to do that is the race narrative. And from there, they can paint us however how, how, however they want. In, ter- in terms of culture, where is our representation uh, really on uh, uh, in mass uh, radio? In oh, terms of, yeah, in terms of um, uh, teleplays. No, movies. we're always the villains in our own, in our own yes. mythology. Absolutely. Education, you know, even in education, man. Oh my, my goodness. Even in almost practically now, even in church. Right, our yeah, no, our, in church too. Yeah, yeah God our, is gay, you know, God, God is trans, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's one thing for those people to say that, but there are there are, uh, uh, let's just say, church official, officials rather than pastors or whatever who invite people into church to say things like that to show everybody how forward and progressive they are, and um, it's kind of hard to win with a team that just keeps unlocking the doors, you know, to the to the fort and and putting out a big come on in, we got you know free beer sign uh, to the invaders, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I've seen it. I've seen it for years. You know, Bill, and I've I've even warned against this. You know, when you have pastors, and a lot of times, you know, the, the, even these pastors are, are more on the conservative side. Uh, you know, they'll say, well, you know, God is neither a Republican or a Democrat, and they say these things for an applause line. You know, all mm-hmm. you really did was polarize your your congregation. You know, it's like, and 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 you're capitulating to this rule that we can't speak about politics in church in fear of losing your 501c3 status, which is another load of ground that the church should have never given up, right? Never should have given up that ground and respond and, and answer to the state on how they're going to conduct their sermons and how they're going to uh, use their platform to 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 edify people on how to vote according to uh, uh, um, our charter that recognize our God-given rights. You know, but when I hear, you know, these pastors, they say that, you know, there's no such thing as a Republican. That's a, a I mean, a God's not a, neither a Republican or a Democrat. That's a flat out lie. God is definitely not a Democrat. Definitely not. A, he's not he's not interested in our vote. There is no majority rule as far as what people are going to say that's going to sway the way that he thinks. And he's going to and he's going to make an edict according to our self-righteousness. He's not going to do that. But he's definitely way more Republican. If we're talking about a representative, well, Jesus is our high representative and he is the law and we are under his rule of law. That is definitely Republican. So it's like it's, it, for, for pastors to make this statement and just polarize their audience, you make them useless in terms of, of, of the voting yeah, discourse. Make them that, useless, yeah. Exactly. So we need to be mobilized to be able to do that. I'm not saying get out there and, and, and the pastor should be telling people how to vote. But they do need to be edified in a way where they understand that these, this platform right here, this lines up with our primary constitution, the word of God itself, and our national constitution. And what the Democrats are talking about is at total odds and fully antithetical with our eternal constitution and the constitution representing the supreme law of the land. 
Okay, so just to wrap this up. If you um, what if you were the president? <laughs> now I was going to say if you were advising Donald Trump. I don't know if anybody really does advise Donald Trump on anything. Um, if you were the president, what three things would you tackle? Uh, I wouldn't say first. What if you go in there? What you and you really want to drain the swamp and you want to try and and, and recover this country before there's while well, there's still something left to recover. What what three things would you do? Oh man, uh, that's that's a that's a lot of stuff, man. That that would be a lot of micromanaging. You know, it, that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about micromanaging, and that's that's kind of like something that I guess a president wouldn't be doing. Uh, I would encourage. Uh, you know, uh, things, you know, uh, uh, on a local level, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, you know talking to the governors uh, and then from there talking to their county managers and whatnot. But as the president. Which I don't see myself as being, but if I was advising Donald Trump, it's like, look, man, there's a lot of cultural repair that needs to be done. OK, and, and it's and it's not as difficult as you think that the hard thing to change is the habit. The habits that you have um, and, and the habits that a lot of people have. Um, we recognize who the Democrats are, but the follow through cancels out everything that we do. Like, say, for instance, people, a lot of conservatives want to hear that there is no systemic racism. They want to hear and they, and they convince themselves that there is no white supremacy and they convince themselves and they want to hear that there's no white privilege. So basically what you guys are saying is that there's no such thing as Democrats. You know, is is you know, so America has you know uh, uh, a history of these things because of Democrats, and you have conservatives that'll be like, yeah, yeah, uh, we know that the Democrats, you know, did Jim Crow and they did this and they were the Klan and they were the Confederacy and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, okay, that's great. So why do you cancel that out and you make your you make your whole point moot and null and void when you say that there aren't these things when Democrats yep. bring up that charge? would be like, yeah, that's yeah, you're damn right. And, <laughs> and every single one of these things was caused by people who have the same uh, political affiliation as you and just run down the list. Bam, 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 yes. bam, 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 bam. And then from yeah, there, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out. I'm glad yeah. you pointed out the history of racism and white supremacy in this country. I'm really, <laughs> really glad you pointed it out, because as it turns out, there's one side that's been fighting for freedom for black people and one side that's been enslaving them since the beginning of this republic. So let's have that conversation right now. Yes, absolutely. And just, boom, 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 boom. Right, right. And, and now from there, conservatives need to be ready for the contingency. That being, well, there was a party switch and the parties have switched sides. And I'm like, look, man, parties don't switch sides the same way that you think that genders can switch sides. OK, that's right. And then from there, you know, it's like, look, I mean, even Malcolm X, before the so-called party switch, you know, the so-called party switch that I guess could have happened at any time, somewhere between Lee Atwater and Barry Goldwater and all that sort of stuff. And if there was this mass exodus, I think Barry Goldwater would have won. OK, but anyway, yeah. uh, Malcolm X even said, uh, look, if you're voting for the Democrat Party, you're a political chump and a traitor to your race. OK, he said that before there was a big party switch. So what was black people's excuse for switching then? And, and, and what was really white people's uh, excuse for switching then? And if Democrats all became Republicans, then where did those Republicans go? You know, so it's, it's like things like that. But yeah, there, there's a I, short answer for that. Yeah, there was a, there was no party switch. Was there not. was a strategy switch. Right. A, there was a strategy switch on the part of the Democrats. Yes. Lyndon Johnson used a choice word for black people in this country for most of his life. And basically, he said, you know what? We're going to start handing people out. We're just going to we're just going to basically buy black people. We're going to make them dependent on the government. And we'll have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. Right. And that's a direct quote from him. 
Except, of course, I've, I've toned it down just a little bit from what Johnson actually said. That was the so real Southern strategy. So, so, yeah. so yeah, exactly. So you go from from being a party that's openly in favor of Jim Jim Crow and all the rest of it. And you realize you're going to lose every election from now on. So you say, OK, I'm not going to change my opinion of black people, but I am certainly going to change my strategy. I'm going to buy them off with trinkets. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Right. I'm going to buy Manhattan for twenty four dollars worth of shiny beads <laughs> and I'm going to and I'm going to hand off. um you know, I'm going to have these social welfare programs, great society programs, and I'm going to essentially say to them, you know, if you if you vote for Democrats, we'll give you stuff. And they did and they did. And and look where we are now. Uh, th- these kind of things can be easily defeated. But you number one, you have to know your facts. And number two, you have to know how to present those facts. And that is aggressively and defiantly like you don't believe me you out there i see all of you shaking your head out there in the audience you all have devices get out your devices and find out right now look look at who wrote the jim crawlow's laws look look find out what political party george wallace was just look it up and um and and go at it that way now if, I, if it was up to me to do three things uh in order i would do number one i'm, I'm going to break up big tech and i'm going to use the law I'm not going to make it a political issue. I'm just going to say, look, you're either publishers or you're carriers. You're editorializing by censoring certain viewpoints to fit with your your political prescription, uh, your political disposition. And so therefore, you are no longer carriers. So we're going to break you up. I would just I just break them up the way they broke up Ma Bell. And when they broke up um, when they broke up Ma Bell. Phone rates just dropped when they broke up the airlines uh, in terms of their regulation. The rates just fell. I'd make this something. I think you'd get 90 percent of Americans behind you if you said, look, I don't want the government snooping on me and you don't want the government snooping on you. And you don't want corporations taking your money or taking your buying preferences in order to blackmail you either. Right. We're all we're all on the same team on this. Right. That's the first thing I do, because if you don't do that, you don't get to control information flow. And we've already seen that if you control the information flow, you can get away with anything. Mm-hmm. So first thing I do is break up big tech. Second thing I do is secure the border and I would and I would deport people aggressively. I would I would make a deal with with Mexico to go in there and clean out these cartels. And I would basically look at this as a legitimate use for the United States Army because it is a foreign invasion. I think you can make that case very clearly. And the third thing I would do is I would go after military readiness. I I, I would put aside a lot more money. I'd rather have seven carrier strike groups filled with fit people who are patriots and competent than 11 filled with uh, uniformly, you know, fat, weak-minded people who don't want to be there and and are, you know, basically carrying this um, woke infection through the military. I think you do those three things, everything else takes care of itself. If you can control the information, then you can make the cases for lower taxes and all the other things that follow. But but those three things to me seem to be the crisis things. And um, and I think the president has unique ability to do all three of those things in a way that many other issues he he really needs the Congress for. Sure, man. And and you know, and of course, not to kick a dead horse, but a lot of those things are you know contingent on if he can make the case culturally where the Republican Party stands and not deserving of this narrative that the Democrats have have made on him. And uh, yep. I mean, you know, it's even with the you know doing the things with the you know our social media and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I'm wondering how much leverage he could put on that because these are things that you know we use for free, um, and 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 that and that's the big thing, folks. These are these things. They they were bait. They used the 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 image of them being free to get a whole lot of data from us, and now they're they're abusing that information to um, 
you know, to, 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 to deceive us and control us. And it's almost hard, you know, like, I don't know if you know this, Bill, but you know, the way information is like, even when we say, Hey, you know, you can look this up and look at that, that stuff's starting to get scrubbed. Oh no, absolutely. It's yeah. harder to find those truths now, man. Those, those things that that's, I mean, we learned about those stuff from using the internet and before the internet, you know, uh, was becoming advent, you know, we, we would start hearing these things, uh, uh, you know, if you did your own research on them, but now, I mean, stuff is getting scrubbed, man. And, and, um, you know, that's, I mean, the gatekeepers of the internet, that is something that would be great, great if we could get a handle on those. I'd give up anything to get big tech broken up. I'd give up everything else on the table if that's what it took to break up big tech. That would be my, that would be my absolute number one primary job. Because without the control of the, with, if they control the information flow, as we've seen in 2020, if that Hunter Biden story was allowed to proceed, it would have been the end of Joe Biden, period, and hundreds of other cases as well. You know, I think finally, folks, just to wrap this up, um, I, I really miss Ronald Reagan. Uh, and what Zoe and I have been talking about is is not just that you have to fight back, but also the method in which you fight back. And Reagan, especially his humor was just, it was so... Look, there, there, there. The country's divided into three parts. There's incorrigible progressives, incorrigible conservatives, and there's a third part that's that will move. And when Reagan decided to go after Democrats and progressives, he said just this one joke that I like so much. He said there was a, a Democratic meeting, you know, and, and a lot of people there at convention, and there was this kid there selling Democratic kittens for sale, Democratic kitten for sale, Democratic kittens for sale. And, but he kind of paid no attention to it. Two weeks later, there was the same uh, the same uh, venue. There was a Republican convention, and sure enough, they had the same kid there, and he had the same kittens. They're going Republican kittens for sale. Republican kittens for sale. And somebody came up to him and said, "Kid, you know these are the same kittens last week. You were calling them Democratic kittens for sale. How come you're calling them Republican kittens now?" And he said, "Because now their eyes are open." And um, that kind of thing is is. Ideal. It's that happy warrior kind of, duh, you know, mm -hmm. okay, it's kind of obvious. But just seeing Donald Trump dealing with CNN again and crossing uh, swords with them and not allowing them to paint himself into a corner, with, you know, when did you stop beating your wife kind of questions, that alone was reassuring. We have a, a lot of work ahead of us, but as Zoe points out constantly, and as I do too, it's important to remember that Donald Trump is not the savior of this country. You know, we are the saviors of this country. And the in 2016, yeah, in 2016, uh, we had a, a Republican president and a Republican Congress, and the Republican Congress dropped the ball as well. So we better get our act together and figure out what we want to save here. But I actually feel pretty good about it. I, I, I genuinely do. Because if I didn't, there'd be no point in doing the show, would there? Right. Which is made possible by the members of BillWhittle.com, who we're very grateful to always and who are we kindly keep in our in our thoughts. And if you want to join them, you can go to BillWhittle.com and click that Become a Member link. For Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time here on The Virtue Signal. 